we've done podcasts and dick who's you know like another guy and he does some edits of some of our like streams and stuff like that to make it like yeah i produced thing and like as he's doing it he's like talking about how aggravated he is <laughs> taking the hours of time it takes to actually like yeah take something live and raw and make it yeah nice <laughs> yeah I i'm just gonna say this for the record um when we decided to and i'm gonna actually introduce the show here in just a second but i just wanted to get this point out there and i'm i have a feeling ren's gonna keep it in for us uh, when we decided that we wanted to do this show you know all of us have had some experience working with podcasts and we made the decision up front that we wanted to pay someone to be our producer and right now we're paying that money out of pocket because we don't have patreon subscribers yet but you know we believed that because we know how time consuming it is and we know how much none of us wanted to do it <laughs> that we needed to pay somebody and, and we would like to continue paying that person we would like to continue uh, and, and and this is just a note out there for everybody who is like making podcasts and whatnot scrape together the money pay your producers it's worth it it's an insane amount of work to put these shows together and you know just pay your producers folks and if you are someone who listens to a podcast and you uh you really enjoy the content then chip spend five bucks you know a month and, and help them pay their producers because it's we need it and it's a real skill so i'm just gonna put that out there and we're damn good there's that That's part right. so yeah we good there's also that all right so hey everybody welcome to breaking left i'm back this is Corey. i'm here with my two friends bill and troy hi guys howdy hello Hey, and so we have a great guest uh, in uh, a group that I've I've gotten to know a little bit and had the opportunity to collaborate with, and uh, have really just enjoyed working with these folks. They're uh, they're doing really fantastic work. So we've invited Marcus from Left Flank Vets to join us today. How are you doing, Marcus? Good, and thank you for having me on. I'm excited to know, get into it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Marcus is a USMC veteran. Uh, he's a former congressional staffer. He was also an organizer for Veterans for Bernie, and he is co-founder of Left Flank Veterans. And uh, these guys, are they're doing some really terrific work. They have, uh, like, do you guys stream every single day or is it five days a week? pretty much almost every day you know I, yeah. I wish we were we you know like we definitely could if everything was like if if life was perfect um i can't but, imagine uh, streaming every single day like it's it's killing me to record this once a, once a week so <laughs> well some of the things i've actually you know tried to incorporate like healthy daily stuff so like yeah. usually on sundays i just actually talk about like whatever book i'm reading and hopefully getting some other community members to do more of like a book club thing so like that's less of the work type stuff and also sometimes like you know it's a group of us when we're streaming it is kind of like us just hanging out and talking about like right. whatever's going on in the world and there happens to be some people watching and hopefully sometimes they give us money as well that's nice yeah yeah you know i'm checking out your website i'm uh the merch is amazing there's some great stuff I i'm curious i don't want to like it maybe we'll touch on this later but abolish golf so that is something it's it's more of like like yeah openly i'll say it's 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 kind of like a troll thing but it's more of just to engage like the conversation of of land use overall and especially public land use and things that are just like yeah i guess it's more to spark the conversation of like how do we actually structure our society that's more inclusive that's also more sustainable and golf is a good a good pressure point we've found to poke at <laughs> It's great. I mean, uh, yeah. I am extremely anti-golf for some very personal reasons that I don't want to get into right now, but uh, have been anti-golf for over 20 years. And I mean, it, it is the the sport of choice for the elitist that the, the billionaires, the political titans that run everything and are ruining the world. So yeah, let's take their toy from them. Why not? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and plus we're paying for it. I mean, like some of these yeah. municipal golf courses are just, they are the most environmentally just uh, disastrous. You know, just all that fake grass and all that, all it takes to, to maintain it. And it's only used by, you know, a certain kind of person, really. Um Abolish golf for no other reason than to piss off Donald Trump. That's a good reason to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in, I'm in. Well, so we wanted to, um, we wanted to bring you in today because we wanted to have a conversation. This is, this is something that you thought up, Bill. Um, So I'm going to let you kind of kick off the discussion, but we wanted to talk about veterans culture in America. And it really is, it's a thing that is very unique to America and in no small part due to uh, the size of our military and, and its influence around the world. And it's a thing that I've been steeped in my entire your life as an army brat, daughter of a Vietnam veteran, and somebody who also worked as a military contractor who's married to a military contractor. I've been around the military like literally from the day I've been born. Uh, so I'm I'm steeped in this and uh, have had a journey through it myself, and I'm excited to talk about it. But Bill, you want to kind of kick off like what you sort of had in mind about going into today? Yeah. So first, just for the audience, I was just going to see if uh, Marcus would kind of just uh, frame up what Left Flank Vets is, what their mission is, kind of what their membership is. And I'd also be curious to see what type of folks you're drawing to your streams, whether you're drawing a veteran crowd or just like a younger type gamer crowd or what the mix is, if you know. Yeah. So, I mean, Left Flank Vets, I guess, is um, the evolution of the grassroots Veterans for Bernie organization. And yeah, I guess it, yeah, it started with <laughs> the Vets for Bernie group. I started getting into it late into the 2016 run, but had been like really like involved as far as like the next for the 2020 run. So at some time, and you know, we had thought kind of late in the game, but the the campaign had started up their official like Vets for Bernie, you know, organization. And so that's when we kind of just <laughs> had to start figuring out like, well, what do we do? Right. Um, and they're still very supportive of the campaign, but then eventually Bernie drops out and then we say, yeah, okay, what's, what's the next thing? And really it was kind of just an online sphere that lets people know that there are veterans that are on the left, you know, and not just like, oh, hey, <laughs> sometimes there's a pragmatic conservative like John McCain, like, no, like not like John McCain, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> uh, one thumbs down is definitely not good enough. But uh, we, we, I mean, I think it like took it from, you know, supporting Bernie Sanders campaign to actually being able to say, this is what we actually believe, which is kind of a little bit left of like, you know, Bernie's like slotted, you know, policies, but running a campaign, it's running a campaign, you know, like that's, <laughs> uh, it is what it is. And so, yeah, we kind of just, we started streaming on Twitch because the army and Navy, they started video game streaming, which we thought was like extremely problematic because it's, I think it's a problem with, uh, recruiters in high schools to begin with. The bigger issue is like Twitch is like, there's kids on here, like children and not like, oh, 13, they're my, they're okay. You know, like there's, there's kids. Kids, little kids. Yeah, these are Roblox eight-year-old player that's yeah. out there. Yeah. 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 And it's not okay for the military to begin shaping their viewpoints of imperialism <laughs> so young, you know? And so we started kind of just like streaming on Twitch to bring awareness to it. And then like we kind of found that like we enjoyed it. And as far as the audience, there's a good amount of vets. There's a lot of vets, but there's also, there's a good amount of just 
I don't, you know, people who have 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 come around us, and I would say I would say Twitch is not as young as a platform, or maybe our viewership on Twitch is doesn't seem as young as like the overall aspect of it, which I think is is good because hopefully like we're we're bringing people to the platform to like see what we have to offer more than like our our Twitter, which is mostly just a lot of shit posting too. I was gonna say Twitter's like <laughs> <laughs> is what Twitter's for. Can I jump in on one point there? Because like the the point that you're making about the propagandizing to the young like man that is so fucking real like as a military kid growing up in the army growing up with my dad in the army like that and there's a reason why multiple generations of families get into the military because it is just like baked into you duty and honor is inseparable from family from like a very young age it, it is built into the whole system and it's um for a lot of people it's i mean it didn't happen with any of us i, I came the closest as a person who ended up working as a military contractor and, and my dad like really laughed onto that because like I was the closest of, of all my siblings to have followed in his footsteps. None of us actually joined the military, which is very unusual for a military family. But I hear all the time from, you know, from uh, military kids that uh, it's like the pressure for them to just follow in that footsteps is real. And it is it's built into the educational system, especially for families that are deployed and going to Dodd schools. I mean, it is it's real. Right. And the kind of implication that Marcus is raising at this point is uh, that there is probably money going from the Pentagon into mm -hmm. gaming companies or streaming companies to influence the opinions and perceptions of underage people. Now, on an ideological spectrum, right? Like this is the, it's not like we're arguing about like putting fact-based information in front of kids. We're arguing we're, we're suggesting that they're being influenced via propaganda to bend towards power. And it's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny that at the same time that we're kind of talking about this is you're seeing across the country there's a struggle to get the truth. <laughs> which is the, yeah. you know, uh, the, the so-called critical race theory, which is just basically having an accounting of race connected to any reading of American history, because it's impossible to do one without the other, yeah. uh, you, you know, <laughs> and there's a deep struggle now to get that type of truth, you know, in front of the same kids that at the same time, the Pentagon is spending probably hundreds of millions or billions, let's just say billions, everything's billions these days. Yes, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's easy. Yeah, like they, they don't spend millions much on anything well no and this is something that like it should be noted that this is also not something new you know twitch is something right. that's like recent of like the past year but i think it was you know and <laughs> we like especially people on the left who raise up fdr and the policies and the, of the new deal and everything like that but he was also the first president to go to hollywood and say hey we need you to make us look good and so and that is not stopped that's continued on to the point where i think yeah there was some director not so long ago that was saying like oh yeah yeah the god checks our stuff but they just want to make sure we're not saying anything bad and it's like yeah right. dude that's the that's the problem that's, that's the problem, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> we have a very similar conversation about the way police are represented in media because that is also very intentional and very structured and propagandized and there's only very recently like in the last year has there been any any kind of real conversation about how problematic that is yeah, yeah absolutely big fan of iced tea I love dude but like if he can't understand what a show like law and order especially special victim units when actually like the majority of rapes and sexual assaults go unsolved right this is a falsification of our society that there is yep. some special unit of police who are just strictly going after and and actually successfully solving these crimes right this yeah. is something that is just false and that even that oh hey this is just an interesting thing to watch 
watch. No, it's it's giving people a complete lie of what society is. Yeah, and actually pushing people to think that, oh, look at us doing things um, when, you know, how many rape kits are sitting in, you know, precincts across the nation. It's it's a travesty. The video game piece is interesting to me only in that, so working in the industry, there are definitely games that come out that have so much oversight, so much input is given by their, you know, they are in a cash money arrangement to have people who are either investing in the game, you know, we're talking our money, uh, investing in the game, and also to be sure that it is beyond just making sure that it's not misconstrued, they'll get in there if it even looks like it may be headed in that direction. Like they, they are very, very tight on that stuff. You know, they're even utilizing video game technology as a way of setting up um, sort of simulations and things. And and while many companies get prickly about like what that arrangement is, nobody's saying that like, you know, our games are being used in an active war. But for me, it kind of doesn't matter if you're using it to train people to go to war. It seems to me to be the same. Like, it's hard to split that hair. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think you can. Right. I think. Yeah. you're correct in the call and that you know the bs on that one because yeah it's i mean it's i mean it's ender's game right that's like the whole that's right that's right it's the whole yeah the plot like spoilers but you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i kind of i kind of want to ask another kind of compound question which is when was your military service and uh what were some of the factors that led you to kind of sign on the dotted line and then at what point did you realize the war on terror was total bullshit if not before signing on the dotted line yeah um <laughs> so actually that's the thing is like i remember people like kind of like trying to tell me like hey maybe join the marine corps is not a good idea and i was like nah but the thing is that i i, I come from a military family you know right. my dad and uncle cousin and and you know, like me and my my brother <laughs> we ended up joining at the same time and so like it was just kind of like something to do i was at the time i was just bartending i was yeah i think just spending more time <laughs> just <laughs> drinking than not and uh i eventually was just like i need to do something and since my dad was in the military and like a bunch of family members it was kind of like hmm, i can do this you know and i think at first the first thing that like we realized is that like the military that they sell you you know the recruiters sell you that's a complete lie that's the first lie where you're just like they don't this isn't like a brotherhood or a family you know like they treat me like shit (laughs) (laughs) right like like, no one's family is perfect but like it's not this family (laughs) um but then as i I like went along there was like times where you know i think actually we were talking about this last night but there's moments where the contradiction is kind of is so in your face and for me it was actually we were like doing some stuff in like the south philippines and like uh, a dude in, in my platoon gets his ankle hurt and um we end up just like going straight into like one of the hospitals there and like basically just like mobbing in like oh hey yeah like with this you know check-in desk yeah whatever like we are the americans yeah like and we've we got our guns and everything with us and like what's strange like there were some of the staff that like took pictures like one of like oh hey all cool like you know let's take some pictures but there's like one lady that was just like the way she was looking at us like she should be looking at us like what are you doing in here like what are you doing here in this hospital with all these guns like a bunch of thugs and like that look was like one of the times where i was like huh oh huh yeah you know and like normal yeah 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 (laughs) 
and then eventually i think when i was uh yeah, it was like towards the end of my contract so i started yeah I, just, I joined in 2010 so it was 2016 when i was finishing up and yeah it was you know the bernie versus hillary primary was going and i just remember like seeing i think it just one of these things where they were like hillary mentions a syria no fly zone you know proposing that type of stuff and like i remember thinking like wait a minute she's talking about this but like i would be the one out there yeah the one after like, enforce it Right. Yeah, and I was like, I don't even know what's going on, you know? And then Bernie comes along and says, hey, we shouldn't be sending people to war if we're not even going to take care of them. And to a Marine, very broken, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, this guy is, is is saying something that I like, right? Very, very just hitting the point for a personal policy for me. But then I just started asking of like, what, what was I doing? What are the reasons that someone wants to put a no-fly zone in Syria in the first place? And I'm like, once you start pulling on that imperialism, thread i mean it ends up being like a towing anchor you know like, yeah. it, like that it, it doesn't take long for you to figure out those like oh yeah like we're the baddies almost <laughs> in every yeah. situation you know it's one thing that's really interesting we talked um a few episodes ago we we were talking about military contracting really because i was bill was helping me kind of unpack some of my experiences and we we noted that over 2.77 million troops have been deployed on over 5 million deployments since 9-11. And of course, a lot of that has to do with Iraq and Afghanistan, but not all of it. And people really have no scope. Like I do, because I've been in it. Like I've been around it my whole life. And I have lived in countries, you know, as a civilian overseas where military operations were going on. Like we are everywhere. And those deployments are all over. The like, so you talk about South Philippines. Like I've lived in the Philippines for a bit. Like we've got active combat operations even happening in a lot of parts of the, the world, like North Africa, that people are not aware of at all. It's completely invisible to the American public. And and the fact that Congress that has the duty to give oversight to that not only gives money like freely, just like here's more money, go do more war, like whatever you like. Here have an extra twenty five billion dollars. Why not? Why not? You know, it's 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 bananas and like the public has no idea the scope or like the reach of our military operations. The other thing they do as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's a lot of euphemistic language to cover some pretty atrocious activity. I mean, like a no-fly zone sounds pretty, like don't fly. It's simple, right? I mean, like, but there's a lot more going on. <laughs> yeah, rather than saying what's actually happening, which is you have the imperial superpower that is attempting to start a conflagration with what could be Russia, Turkey, and multiple other people who right. would be blocked from that, you know, no-fly zone. So the no-fly zone that I think everybody, I think we're talking about, I don't think was ever a good idea. Syria is a prime example of, of something where it's like over the last decade, we have this conflict where 500 plus that, I think, well, between 250 and 500,000 plus people. I mean, these are numbers that start to really kind of, I mean, they each hate to quote Stalin where it's like, what, each death is a tragedy, but a million deaths is a statistic type just, thing. Just, yeah, yeah. That, that is how the Pentagon views the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, I I feel bad saying that. I mean, the, the quoting well, Stalin, but the perfect, they operate the, like it. The perfect, I think the most perfect example is, you know, the, the pullout in Afghanistan, which there's a lot of people who like, you know, like Joe Biden, you know, like, like we had to get out. We had to f stop. The problem is not stopping the war. The problem is continuing to try and do these over the horizon airstrikes, which the one that they tried to do ended up killing mm -hmm. 
you know, a family, seven like kids and like toddlers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing is, uh, also too, is like even after the suicide bomb next to the airport, there's reports of the U.S. military pretty much reacting and opening fire yeah. and killing dozens and dozens of more Afghans in that yeah. moment. That's something that hasn't even been really interrogated whatsoever. There's no, they didn't even come yeah. out and say whoopsies on that one. They did for the airstrike. Yeah, there was like a blip uh, for like a minute where that was mentioned yeah. and then it quickly got squashed. But, you know, even even before that particular airstrike, which like a lot of, uh, of course, we find it appalling, but a lot of people just kind of like, well, you know, they did have a suicide bomb, you know, it's like, but we were doing airstrikes on our way out even before that. We were doing airstrikes on the Taliban as they were advancing across the country in that last month, like a lot of them. I know because I had friends that were on the ground getting, you know, facing it. It's, it's wild. But the issue is that the thir those 13 service members, which, you know, my heart breaks for every one of them because like me, like many veterans or service members, like you just get sold a bill of goods. You know, it's just yeah. a lie. And like, I actually was like, I, I'm so jealous of some like National Guard people who just get to like rescue people from wildfires or go in and save people from floods and stuff like that. Like, I wish that was my experience. You know, if I could go back and jump in a time machine and do it all, all over again, that's something worth doing. That's that's service to your country whatever i did you know whatever's going on with all these these wars any of these proxy wars where you've got just a handful of special operators you've got dozens and dozens of contractors and they're africom that's something that was stood up in 2008 Mm -hmm. You know, it's an Obama era. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to kind of hit, hit on that. And you might be able to speak to this, Marcus. So I don't know for sure that this happened, but just having a lot of friendships and things with, with vets who were in and out of the service over the last, you know, 15 plus years, it seems like there was like a, a transitionary period, like the way certain branches deployed. So the army starts off with 12 month yep. deployments. It's okay. It sucks. You do it, you're out. But then once, once the Pentagon started getting everybody used to it, either fading to war and terror out from the propaganda diet of average Americans, you know, to where they could just like keep it all under the radar. And once they got kind of a long-term trajectory, I think a lot of army vets were like, no, we're not doing this. And I think at some point, like the Marines were maybe doing nine to 12 months, but at some point, I think there was like this thing where they started, especially, especially Marines and special ops, I think just started doing like because I'd read a lot about like doing these three month, two months, short term rotations, yep. all yep. kinds, all yep. kinds of different places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's <laughs> that's actually something I squeaked out of. They're trying to get me to extend to do what they, what they call like, like a black sea rotation. But that's just like, oh, yeah, you go to. Yeah, basically, you just go yeah, like go over like Europe and you kind of like bounce around. And this is like all like, hey, just like jockeying and provocation with Russia. But uh, but like basically to like what it does is just like it spread it out. You know, there was like a big focus <laughs> with Iraq, Iraq and Afghanistan. And then like where there's like a drawdown What you didn't see was a drawdown of the Pentagon budget. That's right. Like these things. Because they're still doing war like, all over the yeah, world. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> these things just got flattened and spread out. And these are like yep. it comes to like policy with these uh, NDAAs, right? With these author, the AUMFs, these authorization to military force where there's no declaration for war. Why? Because we've already authorized the war on terror, you know? Right. And, like it just been able to go and spread all over the place so yeah where it's like oh we're gonna go to i mean i remember doing a training thing in djibouti africa mm -hmm. and just like when i was like what like what is what what is this 
how are we what exactly yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and then it's like you know once again you like pulling this thread like later on like going back i'm like oh okay well now it's like type of jockeying trying to secure and pressure local like local and and, and uh, national governments trying to make sure pressure out china out of any type of uh wheeling and dealing with resources and everything like that and like you, you just like oh, okay this has nothing to do with whatever they talk about on July 4th. Like right. none of my experience has anything to do with like, oh, hey, freedom and democracy and blah, blah, blah. No, it's all horse shit. I'm sorry if I'm cursing. No, yeah, no. <laughs> it is, it is quite, it is quite allowed for sure. Hey, I have a, a question for you. You know, speaking of this, the God bless America jingoist kind of like my family, half my family, military folks, the other half, not so much, but all of them very um, a patriotic, you know, the 4th, 4th of July comes around and it's all guts and glory and, you know, we're doing the thing and, America. And that's always just kind of turned me off just in general, because I think you know that comes, it's very theatrical, a lot, a lot of performing there going on and even fireworks and the whole thing. And, but I, I'm wondering when it comes to sort of the, the folks that you're reaching or the folks that, uh, that you're talking with that, uh, aren't necessarily military or I'm just curious, it's kind of the breakdown. Are these folks that, are they coming to you because they sense a tremor in the force? You know, they, they see they're, they are un, um, impressed or, or sort of unconvinced or you know are you do you get a lot of people who are like i'm gonna tell you a thing or two or i'm gonna you're wrong and uh, it just it seems like a very interesting place to be for an organization like yours yeah so it's, i'd say like twitch where you have like a chat component where live comments are coming in every once in a while you have some people who are like how could you how could you be a veteran and and say these things like <laughs> oh my word um <laughs> which that's fun but I think at the end of the day, they're, you know, veterans, we're not excluded from reading and learning, you know, right. sometimes like we just get it eventually, you know, and like, I wish right. there was more of us. I wish that there wasn't, you know, I guess, and you know, in some, some ways it's like, you know, perception is kind of reality where it's perceived that most veterans are right wing or like uber yeah. patriotic, which I think for the most part, especially like most of the guys that I served with, there's one thing that they did not like coming out of the, out of the Marine Corps. And that was the United States government. Yeah. That you know, like whether whether that led them <laughs> to a good critical analysis of U.S. imperialism or just, you know, drove right. them to just, you know, hey, get out, get some job and, you know, just try and just pay rent and live their life and never, never look back. Yeah, there's a good amount of people who are like, this is dumb. This doesn't make any sense. The people who are running the show, they don't care about me. You know, they go off and they're mostly probably just apolitical, which, you know, that's a good yeah. chunk of America right, <laughs> right there. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you've got the loudest people in the room, you know, yeah. you've got your Tom Cotton's who will utilize veteran status to, you know, help garner power. And then, yeah. And I think that's, he's like one of the scarier, you know, people yeah. who, um, cause yeah, you, you, you'd see probably more militaristic way of, of, of doing things that in, in, in his viewpoint where, you know. I don't know, Bill, if, if, if you've got the same thing, but it's like everything the Marine Corps was telling me, this is the right way to manage and govern people. I saw consistently, no, this is actually the wrong way to do it. 
Right. It's just a way and it's authoritarian and it, and, and it, work, and it works with a voluntary force that is rel- somewhat just uh, trapped by either economics or just a belief in, I guess, seeing through their term of service or whatever. And and it's bone deep, too, because I'll tell you, yeah. like, I was on a ship and we had like it was like a airman of some sort. So he worked on a plane. He was working all night. I mean, this guy worked hard. So, you know, somebody asked the question of why we do what we do or something. He gave this answer like we do what we do we work our fingers to the bone to support the troops on the ground because when they make a call they need help da 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 right so in his mind he felt that he was doing this thing to support troops on the ground and then you know the ceo of the of the air wing looks and says uh never thought about it like that so it's like so it's like this is exactly like how do you think about it and you want to know how they think about it because i I, this he made an offhand quip one it's just a career thank you for helping us further ourselves in our careers guys yeah. which I gotta, I gotta tell you like that line that you were just talking about like yeah we're here to make sure the troops got their support like that is exactly the same line that is sold to contractors to get us to sign up and i believed it yep. like my, my dad was a vietnam vet like i was an army kid you know i like i needed a job and a job was made available to me and i was like okay cool i get to have a job and i get to go do something that's supporting the troops and i was like cool you know and of course i get there and like reality is a bit <laughs> and very very different experience on the ground and an eye-opening thing that ultimately put me on the trajectory that i am in on today but that is it's the same thing that they use to bring in contractors and and get us to do to sign up for that kind of work um if i could i wanted to kind of go back to like a point you were making a few minutes ago marcus you were talking about looking at the kind of experience that uh national guard folks have and the kind of work that they get to do versus like what you were doing in in the marines and like i i, I mean i don't know if if you experience this or if, Bill, if you experience this, but I know that I saw it in the, the folks that I was around, especially among the National Guard troops that got ended up getting deployed to Iraq, is that there's kind of this culture of like, oh, if you're National Guard, you're not real military. Like, mm. yeah, you guys, you know, and so this idea that like it's somehow less worthy specifically because their mission isn't to go out and do war. And like, I just wonder like if you encountered that culture and like how, how that... Yeah manifested yeah. for you i think and especially i was like active duty so like first like even in training like you know that like oh these are the reservists you know like you'll know in boot camp and in the and 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 um you know like as people call it a school but you know like i was like going to just like the school of infantry like you know who the reservists are they get a little more you know shit on a little more than like the the rest you know but yeah and like national guard you know it's similar thing and that's like one of the issues too is that like this is very much like a perception thing like because as these deployments kept going on and on and on, the National Guard ended up being a big part of the deployment rotation to Iraq and Afghanistan. And it actually sucks a lot because, like, they don't get benefits like active duty yep. gets benefits. Yeah. Yeah, wow. they they really got shorted like big time. Yeah. They were not. They don't have the same institutional support, and they also didn't. They didn't sign up for that. They signed up for the National Guard specifically because they did not want to go to war. Like that's work. where you know there's um a lot of yeah. It's just this is this is imperialism, right? And like the 
you know, the, the, the bodies that are expendable will be expended. And that's where, too, it's like where I think, like, the National Guard is kind of like one of those institutions that I think, like, the left should maybe just, like, look into a little bit more and understand a little bit more. Because I think mm-hmm. as we, like, project onto, like, where do we actually want society to go? Like, no, having people who are able to navigate and traverse harsh terrain under dangerous conditions in this this ever climate changing world that we have set up for ourselves it's all it's going to be necessary and yeah. i this is where i think like there is a kind of a use for a lot of like the military apparatus so i think it would be just as a quick reaction force to climate crisis you know yeah. oh yeah yeah other than that park these things park these i saw another like this commercial for this new carrier that hundreds of billions of dollars, one point something trillion, who knows? Ungodly amount of money for just ridiculousness that uh, it's just to push more warfare. And it's like, we haven't even, we haven't even been in a war needing a carrier. Yeah. And in, in yeah. how long? <laughs> like, what are we doing? To that point, like, um, I, like, so I said, I lived in the Philippines for a bit. And like, I remember in 2013, Typhoon Yolanda hit the Philippines really hard. And U.S. military, because we had assets in the region, because we're making war everywhere. <laughs> but we were able to be that quick reaction force that you're talking about. And like, you know, this was a, I mean, the, the islands were just decimated by this storm. It was, it was horrible. There were thousands of people who died. And we were able to show up with a nuclear-powered carrier and, and start, like, providing power to islands and mobilizing resources like there were ospreys that were taken off from Clark Air Base and you know flying down and, and dropping food supplies in places that like like all the roads have been washed out there was no other way to get stuff there right now yeah. there should be three carriers parked off of Absolutely. Haiti right now just Absolutely. giving them power like, yeah. that's what they yeah. should be used for it's like we have so we we have had that we have used our military resources exactly in that capacity. I mean, that wasn't National Guard folks that showed up. That was that was uh, U.S. Navy and Marine assets that were deployed to answer to that particular disaster. And it was it was life saving for tens of thousands of people. Hitting on some, so I've always like because I was on an aircraft carrier and I used to be sitting on that motherfucker like what in the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> I, I would I would just I, I would just like just this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, but that goes on to a, a, like a broader point, which is the U.S. like since World War Two has always been fighting its last war, right? So we right. go into Vietnam thinking you're fighting in Europe. You go into to Afghanistan and Iraq thinking you're fighting in Vietnam. And I would argue probably in both cases, the military is generally, you know, has like staffing issues or material resource issues. Especially, This was especially true in certain areas of Iraq. I talked to a guy who I just bumped into this guy on an Amtrak one day. It was the craziest thing. I was kind of in this like manic state. Pretty sure he was in this manic state state we're just sitting there having a like a, a breakfast and are we're just like beaming you know mm-hmm. he just starts telling me these war stories because you know like when you kind of like meet a vet often you can decipher relatively quickly through conversation if someone's been through service but then it's like we sat and talked and ate and talked and i just sat and listened to these stories and it sounded like pure chaos i mean hell on earth I mean, if you would have put this guy's life, his time in Iraq, and it, it, it would be, you know, it would make that American sniper movie seem tame. You know, I, I mean, like, I think a lot of times we we have veterans get put in these scenarios of total chaos and they survive. You know what he says at one point? Got all 10 fingers, all 10 toes. I say, you the know, 
<laughs> you know, and like after we kind of broke, he's like, man, he's like, yeah. He says there's something about talking to vets that you don't get with modern therapists, psychologists, because they just they either lack the vernacular, they lack a type of understanding. I don't know exactly where the breakdown happens, but there's definitely something there. Yeah, no, and that's some like. I, it it kind of just makes me feel like this is just how terrible like war is, you know, like we, we just, we shouldn't be a lot more hesitant to expose people to like, like literally something that doctors in some cases can't help. Right. You know, cause like that experience that that guy's saying, where it's like, I can't talk to therapists or my family or my old friends about it, you know, like putting people through an experience in which case it alienates them from the rest of society is bad. And like, especially like, like just talking about like that veteran, but like what's happening on the other side, you know, right. I mean, sanctions and warfare. Yeah. It's like um, over a million Iraqis dead where, you know, we don't know how many people in Afghanistan have been killed throughout through the war because we didn't care to start counting for like the first nine years. So yeah, like this is where it's like this whole thing, you know, where, whichever way you look at it, unless you're on the board of directors for Raytheon and then you end up being selected for secretary of defense, you know, unless you're in that seat, it's all bad. It's all bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in that conversation that Bill had with that guy, um, that's one of the better case scenarios. I mean, there are some people who are just not, they come back from war and they don't have their 10 fingers and their 10 toes and they don't have their, you know, the psyche shattered, they're, you know, unable to connect that that is horrible but there are people who are just living lifelong misery because of it and it's weird how easy it is for us as american citizens to just yeah that's just that's just that's the thing that's that's just the way it works there's a whole there's a whole culture around i don't know anyone might have experienced this but as far as vietnam goes a lot of folks i grew up who either participated in or who were either married to related to etc it was always it was not something you spoke directly to the veteran about it was something that they did either just didn't talk about or talked about in flowery language or talked about in indirect euphemisms or indirect yeah. metaphors, you know, but it wasn't anything that most people really wanted to be like, no, th- this was hell. This was ridiculous. This never should have happened because I think at the core, a lot of people don't want to believe that. And I've struggled with this a little bit. You don't want to believe you've been duped, right? Well, I don't really care. Right. I get duped all the time. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, we, we all get duped. We live in a monopolist capitalist society with yeah. an antitrust regime. Like everybody gets duped, you know, (laughs) so it's that. And then it's like, oh, man, I got duped and I participated in this this action of gross mass violence. And it's like, well, but technically that is what war is. And personally, like I just believe that we took a wrong turn in post 1945 with thinking that World War Two was just like a new way to exist in the world and to basically keep that mobilized force forever mobilized. I think historically we're going to look back on the 45 to 2020 ish type period in utter disbelief and they'd be like you wouldn't yeah. believe that these people they made the aircraft carriers for you know i guess world war ii and on into vietnam and you could argue whether we even needed an aircraft carrier in vietnam probably not you know and then it's like and then we just kept these fleets around and it's why right. why do we do all of these things we do i think well i mean when you have that shift and then this is where too of like I think like the lack of just political education within the U.S. It's it's where you have people who like communism and fascism are the same thing, and you right, know right, right. I'm a 
I'm a liberal moderate, you know, and it's like, you just have no idea what you're talking about. But like on a mass scale of like, we've got a generation of people who are in the power seat right now who were raised jumping under their desk yeah. because the Russians were going to get them. You know, yeah. like this is where we're at. And like, I see a lot of frustration from people on the left where, because we're not getting <laughs> as far as we would like, and as far as we need to be when you talk about like the effects of climate change. But I think that pointing to like that turn right of like really you're talking about restructuring our society to one that is just propping up military and then that society then being propped up with said military you know because that's when you do have to go all over the world and get these coups to make sure that the resources that make empire what it is are still coming on the cheap and that's where from that day <laughs> you know when you're coming out of world war ii up until now you, you know that's exactly what it is to where you've got people who are saying out loud elon musk tweeted out we will coup whoever we want yeah, yeah. seriously yes and he was talking as the broker or as like what the representative of the united states government of the organization that would directly financially benefit from that resource extraction yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> without even a bit of like irony or any kind of like it was just this imperious sort of tone of like that's just what we'll do and well, uh, i mean what, what can you expect from the son of an a colonialist emerald miner yeah. <laughs> you know? I'd be like, they'll do it they'll do yeah. it they'll do it it's family apparently so why not yeah Something that you said a few minutes ago, well, both you, Marcus, and Bill, like, just talking about the feeling that you can't talk about this with other people. Like, that's why I think what you're doing with Left Wing Glitz is so important. You know, you, you said that you wish there was more of you. I think there are more of you. I think there are a lot more people who are not these, like, hard right-wingers that we have um, been conditioned to believe control and, and dominate the entire military infrastructure. I think there's a lot more people that have at least are, are open, if not already there, to your your sort of political position and the fact that you're out there talking about it is so important this feeling of isolation that you can't talk about things is something that yeah and i, I say this with some hesitation because troy and, and bill both know like I've, i'm very sensitive about the fact as a contractor you know i never want to equate the experiences that i had with the experiences of the troops but there was a lot of overlap you know i worked in war zones for 10 years and i really literally only in the last like four months have started to speak in any public way at all about th those experiences. I, I've had very few conversations with, with friends. And other than that, for 17 years, I have only talked to other contractors about it because I felt like they were the only ones that understood. And kind of related to that, you know, thinking about my dad, um, who just passed away a few months ago, you know, I, I grew up knowing that my dad was a Vietnam vet and he never really talked about his service in Vietnam. Like every once in a while, he'd tell like a little story, like a thing that happened, you know, while he was there. But something changed when I went to work in Iraq and all of a sudden he felt like he could start telling me some stories and I was just surprised by how much he had been holding back my entire life up to that point point. and so I think you know that's a really important thing for us to consider in terms of how we make space for people in you know the political spaces that we operate in how we make spaces for that dialogue we need to learn how to be better at making room for people to talk about these experiences and, and feel like they're able to open up about it. So I'm interested in, in uh, Marcus, when you're communicating, when you're, you're on Twitch and you're communicating with people that they're learning about you or they know about you or they're part of your community. And talk to me about people that come in opposition. Where does that come from? And what, what are they opposed to exactly? Very specifically to what you're doing. You know, what, yeah. I'm trying to picture what that character looks like. Um, 
Well, a lot of times we don't just focus on, I guess, like the anti-imperialist or like the anti-war message. We're coming from that perspective, but, you know, like we talk about a lot of different issues. And, you know, at the end of the day, there are people who are very much attached to the current idea of our society, you know, Mm -hmm. not really engaged in the reality of it. And which is like, I think it was a capitalist realism, you know, this kind of like, you know, this idea of like people cannot even imagine a society that can evolve past just either siphoning our abundance to a few people or just throwing it away. We can reevaluate how we deal with excess. And there are people who just think that that means like they don't get like, I don't know, the, the, their favorite latte, you know, um, or it really, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, like, I'm not sure where it comes from other than like, I hope just a misunderstanding. Um, I hope it's from just living in the United States and getting propagandized to hate anything that is collective in nature, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Because that is, you know, is like, if you ask, like, what, did it, what is it to be an American? And I think nowadays the main line of Americanism is to be an individual, to be that rugged individual, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's that's just a complete lie, you know? Like, it's just everything, you, the house you live in you know the 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 water and the electricity that's coming into it the the roads that go to it you know we are connected to society we rely on each other and i think yeah the people who push back against that have just a a really misunderstanding of like literally what life is you know yeah yeah (laughs) this this capitalist system that we live under you know it is very much anti-life right there is a lot of lives that necessarily get rendered to slavery to Mm -hmm. a diminished stature of labor or just absolutely taken advantage of through like labor even if they have great good benefits and all those things right um and we can do better yeah. you know yeah absolutely speaking of doing better like we always try to like direct the conversation towards like what can we change about the way that we're currently engaging with things and so i know that um billy you had some some thoughts around like how symbols of you know u.s militarism are like deployed in our society and how that focuses on veteran status is there something you wanted to expound on about that yeah, so I'll tell you, just like from my personal perspective, I've lived all my post-service life. Most of my higher education was financed from the GI Bill, and I'm from Illinois, so they also had the Illinois Veterans Grant. So check this out. I get out of the Navy, and one of the first few things that were happening, I guess, 07 to 09, I forget exactly when it happened, but they were transitioning from the Montgomery GI Bill to the post-9-11 GI Bill. And who is the you know most patriotic veteran senator who was voting and advocating against that? Megan McCain's father. John McCain, you know, so, so, so any, I used to always want, I used to, even when I was in the Navy, I was like, why is this 70 year old guy who crashed, you know, I'm I'm a little bit with Trump. Like I like guys who don't crash planes, but you know, it's a whole different thing. John McCain crashed like three or four different. It wasn't things. just one. Yeah. yeah like he did it a lot. Like they shouldn't, they needed to take the keys from that dude, but yeah. And so he hard. was not a good pilot is what you're trying yeah. to say. No, no. And, and technically based on his entire political career, it was just one long plane crash, you know? So he's really just like a terrible, what was, I was going to say God rest his soul, but I just, with him, you know, I just don't that yeah. like God do God. Yeah. You know, so I had those two things. Post 9-11 bill did eventually get passed. So that was a lot kind of provided veterans with a lot more benefits nationwide than what they would have had under the Montgomery GI Bill. But, you know, I went to state school. Most state schools have people who are 
working through their education. Would they want to be? Do they want to be? Would they rather have a twelve to $1,500 a month stipend and no tuition? Probably. Would they do better? Would they learn more? Would they? Probably. You know, does do some yeah. benefit from having jobs, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Okay. Would a lot of people still work some? Yeah, probably. You know, it's... Yeah, this is something that I thought was, like, very interesting. And, and we, especially, too, in veterans of school, like, there like, are people who are, like, kind of, like, build you up. You know, like, oh, hey, veterans perform better. And they think, oh, it's because you went through this military service and you perform better in schools. It's like, no, I'm getting paid to go to school. You know, and like that's the thing too. It's like I, when I got out of the military, I did work a part time job while go, you know, but it was just like a few hours. I mean, like I worked at GNC, you know what I'm saying? Slanging protein <laughs> isn't exactly the hardest thing in the world. Like, and a lot of times there's no one in the store, so I'm doing my homework while I'm there. Um, <laughs> and like, when you're talking about students, and especially so, like, first generation students, like the school that I went to, there was a, a lot of first generation, you know, kids of immigrants who had to work their asses off just to make it work. And especially to like rising costs of everything in our life, you know, some of the requirements to get healthcare, like at that point, you know, now it's like the, the, the schools are at this point now are like required to provide, but this comes, you know, on the back of, okay, well now semesters and all these fees are just more and more expensive. But yeah, when it comes to like, like vets walk in, oh, hey, you sign off your paperwork, all that goes away. All I got to worry about is school. And I mean, hell too, it's like, there's now like a program vocational rehab, they'll pay for the books at that point. Like you are gold. And like, that's the thing is that that's pretty much high school, right? You know, like it, it doesn't right. make any sense to me that it's like you go from high school where it's like literally like, you know, like I remember like, oh, hey, like this is a semester. You got to go and like the, you know, the book, you know, storage, you pick out the books that you need for the semester, you know, you use them, you put them back, you know, like it was just a thing, you know, and then you go off to college and there's a whole hell of a lot of differences. But at the end of the day, we talk about the resources people need to be successful in a learning environment. It doesn't make any sense to me why up to 18, it's one thing. And then after that, well, you're an adult, quote unquote. And right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's never been, like none of this makes any sense. And then right. they prop up veterans who get all this shit for free, who get paid to go to school. Like, no, it's, that's why they're going. Give the other kids, give the other students the same thing and watch them do way better than these knuckleheads. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing for me, and you might have experienced this, but this 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 one for me is just like on the on the table. So I, I went to an alcohol rehab my last year in the Navy. So on in Norfolk it's like a 28 day inpatient, you know, like my whole four years was a little bit crazy but you know i like to jam pack a lot into a short amount of time so but because of that i get out can't get health insurance right but i have the va so you have some form of limited health care based on the va now and, and almost every veteran that gets out has some form or some access to health care based on their income or service or whatever for being attached to the va now this is in us in the same system or in the same country where i don't know who this is this health care system serves I mean, I you mean, do. You do know who it serves, but is it is it just rich white people at this point? I mean, yeah. I, like, it's like, 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 I mean, it's just like it's literally just the people who own these companies and the people who make just the rules. executives. <laughs> Like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is this is it. And that, like, I mean, once again, this is a, a system which it's interesting that if you talk about the VA, most people's perception is that the VA sucks as a delivery of healthcare, but that's right. not true. You know, I'm glad you're saying that. I'm glad you're saying that. Yeah, having having toured a few different VAs, there are definitely challenges organizationally, uh, issues like uh, technology and, and that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you that it's a pretty remarkable example of what can be done. Yeah. 
And so, yeah. like, part of the issues is that the reason why it got a bad rap is because anything bad that happens in a VA, it gets put onto the VA. Right. Now, what happens if something happens at a St. Jude's or at some local hospital, you know, that's across the country? Or, you know, in Montana, you got some Catholic, you know, hospital that does something bad. Like, these different things never get applied to the same capitalist structure of healthcare that we have, you know? Right. And let's talk about insurance. You know, like we can talk about healthcare, and now we can go into insurance, which is a whole nother scam that's just globbed on. You know, um, yep. And so that's that's where the VA and like Medicare, Medicaid perform way better than what we have now. And that's really where like the truth is: is that it's not the VA is perfect. It's just simply a whole of a hell of a lot better than what most Americans receive, yep. and especially with yeah. the price, you know, of like the cost yeah. that comes, you know, associated with it. And with the VA, that is more closer to, you know, I say like the VA and the U.S. Postal Service. And like, this is where I get into like wonkiness. Mm -hmm. These are the closest things I think policy and program wise that we have to actually getting to socialism, you know, actually I agree. getting to where the workers who are doing a job have control over how this is run, you know, and I think with the, with the postal service, if you just let the actual postal workers start to, to being able to decide who's on the postal board, now we're taking with yeah, black, yeah. gas there and with the VA same type of issue, but you've got a structure that is from the pharmacy staff, from the janitorial staff, all the way up to the hospital directors, to the regional directors. These are all government employees who do not take any profit out of this system, and it works better than the profit-driven system. You know, Marcus, I'd, I'd add to your list real quick. I would say public libraries, too. Like, yeah, public libraries, yes. the postal yeah. service. Yeah, yeah, the VA. Yeah. Really great examples of a lot can get done and a lot of information can be organized and a lot of people can be supported with very socialist smelling, yeah. you know. Um, uh, not so much of like, hey, this is just like socialism when the government does stuff. It's like, is there a mechanism that creates a value for society that need not profit be taken out of it, right? If we right. can first create the, or at least glob onto these existing structures and sharpen them up a little bit, you know, this is where I'd like the revolution to actually take forward of when we're just changing our society piece by piece, brick by brick to be more equitable. So have you have you noticed any tactics or discussions or just uh, any practices that you've seen or used to kind of transition folks from the right to the left or from a political position to a political leftist position? Or do you have your own kind of story of that tr that kind of track? Or, um, well, I think for the most part has mostly been like with like my family or my, you know, and my, my, my friends. And I don't think there really is a secret to it. And I, I mean, like you could go back into all the leftist theory and like when you're talking about like the, you know, like at least the individuals within society that are most likely to buy into a revolutionary message. I mean, for me, it's mostly just like, sticking with it you know it's more of just like basic messaging you know where yeah i'm the annoying person that always talks about politics i know we're not supposed to <laughs> but like no i'm going to <laughs> and it's you know it's like kind of this thing where it's like i've heard like people talk like oh well lefties uh, you just uh, everything's just the fault of capitalism and it's like well yeah it is you well, know and like yeah, i'm sorry capitalism like, is it's what we got yeah, like, <laughs> well, actually, every right. time yeah every single time when you say oh this sucks well you know what that is 
sure if you're picking up on it let me help you out (laughs) um and and so have i been able to talk to someone over time and and you know create the 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 next leftist leader no i haven't but i've had success in just at least getting very you know propagandized people which you know when you talk about socialism in the american public that is something that is you might as well like satan might be that's right and uh socialism but uh exactly but um, I've had success with getting people to like have a you know just a better understanding of of what it is, and it takes kind of yeah being annoying and not you know like you don't have to get into argument, but you know they just say like just throwing a few quips every once in a while. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it'll hopefully they get it. I was thinking about your your uh, analogy that that Satan's probably more well liked than socialism, and it's yeah that's because they can praise Satan. <laughs> the facts around you know capitalism being a mess and you know socialism on the rise is uh it's kind of hard to pray away yeah and i'd say too it's like part of it is i think that there's an online left where you know being the most like epic commie that has ever existed you know and like (laughs) it's like you're online do whatever you want you know i think part of it and like it's the describing it's like listen i'm not trying to convince a bunch of people to go up in the appalachian mountains and do guerrilla warfare until you know we you know, eventually get enough people to rise up and overthrow the, you know, like, that's not, that's not what I want. I like showers right. and Wi-Fi. I'm not trying to go up into the mountains. <laughs> I was like, we can just do better. And actually too, it's like, if you read Marx, this is supposed to be the next step. Like we're supposed to utilize capitalism. It creates, it has created all of this abundance. Okay. Let's recognize that and say, let's now do better. Let's now right. change society to that we can reallocate this abundance. And when it comes to climate change, it's like literally like we need to strip power from corporations so that we can survive. So this is, yeah, it's kind of like a twofold thing now. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about like the next step, the next stage of of this revolution that we need. Uh, and I'm I'm with you. I also enjoy showers and Wi-Fi, so not going to be joining any guerrilla armies anytime soon. But this is kind of a twofold question: like, do you feel that people who organize on the left contribute in any way, intentionally or not, to this kind of toxic veterans culture? And how can we, as organizers and activists on the left, do better about engaging on these issues? I know it's a very broad question. We could have like a whole podcast just about how, uh, like, but like, you um, know. Well, I'd say I don't think really, yeah, there's any like groups on the left that kind of like add in to like the toxic, you know, like veteran tropes. I think the veterans that are that and just the fact that they are very loud, you know, they, they do a lot of the work and that's just kind of like assumed and placed on other feds. So, and I, I mean, the thing is like we, we say like left flank is like we recognize that, you know, it was a mistake to <laughs> join the military, you know, but also, you know, and like and more so with perspective of like the amount of harm it does across the world you know and so it's like if there's anyone especially any any really from almost any country that says like hey you were part of the u.s military i don't like you like okay like i will put my head down and walk away in shame like you got that one Um, yeah but as far as like within the united states there are some people who you know oh hey you know like they don't like left flank because we are veterans and whatever but i don't think i'd say for as far as organizing goes especially so like you know hopefully we'll get into this more you know later on but it's like with campaigns i'd say just ask there's a lot of veterans that don't put it forward they just you know it's just something that they did then they're now a baker you know and like 
they're going to introduce yourself themselves. You know, it's like, oh, what do you do? I'm a baker. You know, like they've never mentioned it. You know, so I'd say it's like with organizations, with campaigns, with movements, understand where the veteran, the place of veteran holds in American society and ask, mm. hey, if there are veterans within your organization that would be willing to to use the vet card for good. You know, and that's yeah. what we talk about a lot is like, I would like it more if our, the society we live in did not glorify military veterans. Like, I actually did for like the two weeks when people were like, yeah, postal service, you know, mail carriers are awesome. I was like, yeah, yeah, like, hell yeah. This is like, this is what it needs. Like, like I, yeah. And that's uh, not now because I live in this huge apartment complex, so I, like I don't even see my mail carrier anymore. But I used to talk to my mail carrier a lot. This dude, Chris, great guy. Like, yeah. But uh, where you could just ask, where you could just, where you just have people utilize that, right? Because we don't have that. We don't have where postal service people are actually like the the heroes in our society, right? Like people mm -hmm. still buy into the veteranness. They still buy into the this thank you for your service culture. And hopefully, if you've got a veteran in your left or organization engage that use that you know that's something where they're giving you a freebie you know and this is something yeah. where it's like yeah it's like kind of engaging in like identity politics which i think is very like it's, it's it's a shallow move you know like you can't i can only talk so much about being a black man but as soon as ben carson stands next to me my argument begins <laughs> fading a little bit it becomes different yeah. <laughs> yeah so just understand like hey if you could package something using your veteran card and say yeah yeah we want medicare for all as of service member as a marine right. we are always faithful we take care of everybody and when whenever someone was sick you got to go see the corpsman you got to go to the hospital you got taken care of and that actually yeah. improved our ability to perform you know mm -hmm. everybody gets health care everybody gets housing everybody gets food and guess what you think we're the greatest thing since sliced bread right so why wouldn't it be the same for the american society and like whether i agree with <laughs> the fact that like the military is the only organization in our country that's actually delivering all around services <laughs> to young people as like the biggest job provider within our country like that's problematic as hell however we can use that as, as an example to hopefully convince people that our ideas are good and that not just good but um have uh political credibility you know you can't just oh it's just you're just a dirty socialist you can't do that <laughs> with the marine corps and so that's right. where it's like it's really grounded and hopefully <laughs> it can change some minds but i've also had some doors slip say in my face and said i'm a, I'm a disservice to the service <laughs> when i start talking about medicare for all or something like that you know some people are just there's there's yeah it's really interesting that you i mean it's such a simple thing but the the point that you make about like just ask i think about like so troy and i do a lot of work with brand new congress and like it has been part of our candidate recruitment process always to inquire like are you know have you served in the military if you did you know have you been on any deployments uh, any combat deployments in particular like is that rel that's relevant experience that we want to understand if that's a thing that a person has had i don't know that we're doing that with our volunteer on board and that is something that we should definitely be doing because we do lean on our veteran candidates a lot to be leading voices on these issues. But we, we certainly should be doing better about like reaching into that with our, our volunteer base as well. Agreed. I think that there's something else about, you know, asking that question or creating that opening to have the discussion that creates an environment that is more welcoming to people who have served. Yeah. And, and, and not to be like, give us your statistic, but to really just say, you know, yeah. to make sure that you built it in a 
a real consideration for the unique sort of circumstance that those people find themselves in. And they'll probably gravitate to policies or candidates that understand. And so making that space, I think, is the first step. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. And and like, honestly, I think there's a myriad of ways that any person really can be engaged in a campaign. And yeah, like speaking just specifically to vets, like that's, you know, you can almost square almost any policy position through a military and veterans lens, whether it is LGBTQ issues, whether it is miscarriage and birth and abortion rights, like mm-hmm. any of these things have in yeah. some way been filtered through the military. Black issues, you know, that like you really can accentuate a lot of things, but then also too of just that credibility within the United States public where even if people don't like what I'm saying, when I say, hey, I'm a veteran, like they'll snap to and, oh, thank you for your service. And then it's like this whole thing is now changed to where I was just a dirty commie a second ago go just because like, mm-hmm. I want kids to have food to like oh well you did imperialism so now at least I respect that which like <laughs> as much as it sucks I think that's like a good way in the door for a lot of left campaigns for like a lot of this, these policies to actually be explained and framed in a way that's acceptable for the very militarized American society. So I have a kind of quick question of what's some of the better artistic depictions, either film, book or whatever, of war or military experiences that you've seen? Man, so this is something that... I hope it's all right. I'm gonna plug uh, another plug show. Away. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Please do. Please do. But uh, there's a uh, this uh, YouTube and this podcast is called Movie Night Extravaganza uh, with uh, this dude Forrest and 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 Karthik. But we actually had talked about Platoon and subsequently Tropic Thunder. But it was very much the first one, especially Platoon, talking about the quote unquote like anti-war movie. You know, through like a, you know like these real depictions. And I actually I don't think it can be done. You know, I don't think that a anti-war movie especially depicting like the veteran or the military service perspective i don't think it can be done you know because like regardless especially we talk about platoon where there's absolutely horrendous war crimes going on especially from the american audience you still see yourself in the american military members and like the grandiose of hollywood it's almost impossible for that to like be bad so uh (laughs) I don't know. I guess, I mean, <laughs> that's where, like, I'm not, I like, uh, yeah, I think there's been, like, some, I mean, I remember, like, going to see, uh, what's that one with, like, the Brad Pitt and the tanks. I remember oh. going to see that, like, when I was still in the military. Fury? Is that what it's called? I think you're right, so, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And like, I remember, like, th- like thinking the similar things like then. It was like this makes it seem like you still want to be the guys in the tank. And it's like, yeah, you know, like I don't know that you can make a movie where it's like you don't want to be the guys in the tank. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's one example that I can think of that that comes close to that. And uh, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but it, it was something that just in the last few years like really dawned on me how much it resonated with, with my experience being in war zones. And that's MASH. Like uh, MASH yeah. does a brilliant job of showing just how mundane it is most of the time. And then also just how stupid it is and just like being openly antagonistic to the entire system in the process. Yes. There's a lot of other problems with MASH, but you know, yeah. like I'm still a fan. Yeah. Like, which, and I think that's like why it's possible too, is just kind of like being the field hospital separate, yeah. you know, but yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I tend to agree. And I've heard yeah people talk about MASH in the same similar way of like, it does a better job. 
I gotta say, I was really surprised. I mean, I grew up watching MASH because, you know, again, military family. But I was really surprised to watch it again a few years ago and realize how much my experience in both Iraq and Afghanistan was a lot like what they were showing on the show, which was yeah. based on the Korean War, but was filmed during the Vietnam era. And it was just like, holy shit, it's like living in a tent is exactly like this. And it's shitty. <laughs> it's, yeah. Same shit, different day. Right, yeah, like 50 years later, nothing's fucking changed. <laughs> yeah, no joke, yeah. The bureaucracy and the joke of it all, and yeah, yeah, that's... uh Yeah. Yeah, food for thought oh, for sure. Oh, Phil, I don't know if there's... Is there anything uh, anything for you, anything that you've seen that would be a good, good depiction? I don't think anything new that I'll drop, but like Generation Kill is a decent depiction. Yeah. Even, even yeah. though I'm not, I was never in the war zone, they do a good job of showing the boredom and the stupidity yes. and the yes. goofiness that can happen and a lot of the yeah. kind of moral quandaries that you can rapidly find yourself in and out of and only find yourself to reflect on it later. Right. I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I almost wish somebody could just take, like, take all the combat out of Generation Kill and just yeah. have, like, like, you're just with a group of Marines and we are almost all idiots, you know? <laughs> right, like, right. If it was just a string of like two hours of that, like that's your Marine Corps experience. Right. And I just, <laughs> I, I just say a, a couple more. So Restrepo is one of a kind of a documentarian's type take that is relatively faithful, I think. And Combat Obscura, they have this one scene in there where it's they're transitioning from Barbara Starr with the CNN thing. You know, she's doing an announcement basically of reading a Pentagon press release because that's what Barbara Starr does. And it's like they transition with machine gun fire in the background. So the, it starts off with her speaking and then it goes da, 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 and fades into the next thing where it's like, Barbara, you're knowingly covering for yeah. this as yeah. in real time. I just thought that was a very, very powerful yeah. scene. It, and Combat Obscure is a very, very powerful little film. Yeah. Yeah. There's one that I'm trying to remember the name of, and it was uh, it was about the Battle of Fallujah, and they follow. It was like they were embedded with um, these kids, and it was a very. I wish I could remember the name of it. I'm gonna have to look it up. But like, you want to talk about like being antagonistic and interrogating, like why the hell are we here? What is any of this for? This is stupid. Like there was a lot of that that did yes, still show a lot yeah. of the combat I don't think, aspect yeah, of it. You remember? Yeah, I remember yeah. that coming out. I don't even think I was able to watch that though. Is this a documentary? Is it? The road yeah. to Fallujah. It is a documentary, and I'm I'm googling it right now, and the ones that are coming up are not it, so I'm gonna have to look it up. I think later. That, like it's like got even like a lot of like straight up like the GoPro footage from yeah, yeah like uh, yeah. service members. Yeah. But there's a and there's actually one. Um, there's a guy Joe Glenton who actually just got his his book which came out that's called Veteranhood. It's a, a series of interviews that he did with left veterans in the UK. So he served. He actually got kicked out of the UK army for. <laughs> protesting the iraq war while he was serving but uh he also did this uh little short doc on like the cia zero units in afghanistan so that's just like it's straight up just documentary where he's just interviewing with people about it but that's also yeah i mean that's just a straight up documentary so that's something that people should should check out because it does i mean it's just like one of those stories where <laughs> people don't hear about it and this is what our our, our government actually does overseas it's pretty bad stuff
You know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna collect this list and and share it with our show notes um, uh, as we're kind of nearing the end of our discussion. I wanted to just to ask you, you know, what are some ways that we can you know support what you're doing? Whether it's uh, like I, I just grabbed a T-shirt earlier because <laughs> I wanted it really bad. Oh, that's nice. What I didn't grab were the shorts. They seemed a little uh, snug. Still teased. <laughs> okay, so well, Bill. So now you know what I mean, right? So like you got a good pair of silkies. They're supposed to be snug okay 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 the silkies they i, I tell people they support all of your kibbles and bits okay okay so right. that's that's the point of the I, have, uh, I have seen these i have seen these you gotta yeah you gotta check it out over at but, um, uh, the merch store yeah i say yeah that's the only thing worth bringing out of the military is these silkies these like there's these track shorts and they are they are revealing you know so but like they're also great to like you know wear under sweatpants pants so you know they can be just used as an undergarment but the thing is though it's like they've got they're like kind of like swimming trunks where there's a built-in you know kind of a mesh liner thing. yeah yeah, yeah, a liner. yeah. but yeah, also known as ranger panties as well yeah yes ranger panties is uh <laughs> is, is the nickname but uh yeah as we were kind of coming up when like we you know as with left flank that's you know that's something where like no we got to get silkies um yeah and so try them out. They're great. I would say go a size below what you think you should. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. All right. Good to know. I have flashbacks to like PT day on uh, on base when I was deployed. Yeah. yeah. You got merch. You got a Patreon. You got all kinds of stuff going on, don't you? Yeah. So if and I, I think we're left link vets on Twitter is where like we do a lot of like the, I guess the most quote unquote work. <laughs> you know, right. you just get a lot of tweets out of there uh, between the three of us. But uh, yeah, streaming almost every day at Twitch. Memes, by the way, just hot hot meme drops over <laughs> it. Yes. Yeah, Twitter. for real. <laughs> top, um, top tier. Yeah, which you know we we like to make some memes, and also our community is great at finding or you or making memes themselves. So not all of these are left link originals, I will say. But also, yeah, twitch.tv slash left link vets, where people can you know subscribe or give donations, and then also we've got the merch and um, the Patreon as well where you can do uh yeah like the monthly donos and or you know we do try and put some like podcasts and stuff on our patreon it is mostly there it's kind of like an alternate uh support structure we try and get special stuff out but it's not it's 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 you know we do live in a capitalist society right you know that's right you're, uh, you're making content every single day i mean like yeah. that's uh you know that's that's pretty remarkable we'll, we'll make sure that we have links to your link tree which if you uh it's uh, at left flank vets and you can get merch find their youtube Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Facebook, the whole thing. You've got a whole mechanism going here, and that's really exciting. And I, I'm looking forward to the shirt, buying Bill a pair of the Silkies for Christmas. Yeah, any other things that we can do to kind of help support or spread the word or things that we ought to be on the lookout for as far as Left Leg Vets go? I would say hopefully look out soon with some pairings with brand new Congress. Uh, hopefully, like we get some yeah some some cycle of uh, of the candidates through as we start the ramp up for the midterms. Totally. And also, yeah, kind of like a side thing that we we do as well is a a show called Revolutionary Tracks, where we kind of just kind of just talk about like culture and stuff like that. But it's all on like our YouTube and everything where you can find these videos. But we speak with musicians, hip hop artists about music that. That's not the current pop 
just you know look at me type of stuff but actually right. you know it's you know good music that's good for you is kind of how i describe it i like <laughs> um, it you know it's funny because awesome. i was going to ask you no music like what about music <laughs> you, there you so go we started, <laughs> we, we, yeah we started on the on, on on the music stuff just really to even just you know a get away from politics and how terrible that will damage your brain if it's the only thing that you look at but uh yeah at least just trying to just build a culture because being on the left shouldn't just just be the struggle you know we we also can enjoy things and uh music is i'm objecting <laughs> <laughs> i think it's great you know and i I'm, you know marcus i think that it is interesting you you bring that up you brought it up earlier in the show too just the notion of like i don't want you know like i'm not here to like you know tear things apart i want to live a life i want to eat some food and enjoy my friend right and, yeah. and that is that's one thing that i think we can forget as we're in the work and doing the thing it is almost yeah. as though you know we've taken a vow of joyless poverty and you know <laughs> there, there can be joy and there can be culture and there can be connection and and it's not all about lighting everything on fire you know there's some nice yeah. things we had to have fun and and today is a good example that we had a lot of fun having you on and just really appreciate Absolutely. you taking time out to be here and i'm excited about collaborating with you with brand new congress as well yeah. thank you i've i enjoyed it too we should you know do this again anytime you want you know I, yeah I was, yeah this is a good time absolutely yeah, we love. We can't wait to have you back. And then, uh, you know, between then, we'll get all of our silkies in the mail and do some calisthenics. I think. Yes, yes. Uh, I will be <laughs> expecting a Breaking Left podcast, a fashion show crossover with Left Flank. Um, done and done. You got it. <laughs> we'll have some new crop tops for you uh, by that Perfect. time. Well. Love it. That, yeah, we need to think what we could uh, get as merch, some complimentary, like a tube top or something. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm breaking a left tube top. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I feel it. I feel it. I really do. Well, uh, thank you, Marcus. Uh, you know, as we are uh, at the end of today's program, again, we will be providing links to all of this information uh, to the movies and and some of the stuff that uh, Left Flank vets are coordinating online and ways that you can engage and support them. We are breaking left, and we come to you every week. Right? Is that the plan? Every week? Uh, yeah, that's that's the plan. So, a couple yeah. of things to to be aware of just for for uh, listeners if, if you've got a story like if you want to react to the discussion we've had today or if you've got a, a story of your own that you'd like to share you can feel free to reach out to us at the, sh the show uh, email is breakingleftpod at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter breaking left pod on twitter we also have accounts on all the other social media platforms but uh, we've, we've collectively yeah. decided that we uh, we don't really want to monitor the rest of them so we're only talking about twitter we're lazy yeah. twitter's enough work as it is but um, yeah that's the best place to find us and you can also support the show if you um, want us to be able to continue paying our producer you can uh, go to the patreon.com slash breaking left pod and uh, support the show in any amount there that'd be great and just thanks again marcus for being here and thanks everybody for listening i hope you enjoyed the show